Hello and welcome to 98 Not Out, the cricket podcast. I'm Darren Mutu and every week, all year round, myself and my co-host Paul Webb will bring you the latest news and discussion about the national and international cricket scene. Plus special guest interviews with cricket experts like Nasu Hussain, David Gower and David Bumble Lloyd and many others. So let's get into this week's show. Our next guest this evening is someone that if you are a cricket lover, cricket follower, will need absolutely no introduction. And in just doing my research, I did find him described as a cross between Winston Churchill and Dame Edna, um, which I think, <laughs> I think is one of the most interesting descriptions. It's my absolute pleasure to welcome to 98 Not Out, Mr. Henry Blofeld. Henry, you are most welcome, sir. I wonder which half is which, do you think, of Dame Edna and Winston? <laughs> I think Dame Edna goes rather better than Winston, but there we are. How lovely to be with you. It's terrific. And where do we find you on this uh, May uh, summerish day? I'm in my cottage in Norfolk, and um, where, where Valeria and I spend most a lot of our time here, and we spend a bit of time in our house in Minorca. And, um, you know, it, it sort of works. And, and here we are, we're surrounded with all my lovely cricket stuff. Our good friend Mark Butcher, um, I told him that you were on the show and he said to me, do you still frequent the Chelsea Ram? Um, well, y y yes and no. I used to live just around the corner in Paul's Lane. I don't anymore. But I do go to the, uh, the Chelsea Ram a certain amount. And um, it, it's, I don't think it's quite the pub. It used to be, Mark used to come there uh, when he was playing for England at the Oval. They all used to come um, after close of play and have a drink there. And it, we'd had some very late nights, I can tell you. <laughs> it's bloody good fun, too. Oh, yeah, no, he's, he's, he's top company um, until he gets his guitar out and then you have to make your excuses. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't believe it's five years since you put down the TMS microphone for the last time. Um, well, I know, you see, my eyes, my eyes go up. I mean, I'm, very, I'm my eyes actually aren't that bad at all. I mean, I pass all the tests to enable me to drive. But the trouble is, if you cannot see the detail that goes on out there in the middle, which I couldn't see, and I made one or two bad mistakes, and you can't mess a program up. And honestly, the, the most sensible thing to do was to say thank you very much, but that's the end of it. It was the saddest day of my life, but there we are. And that amazing moment where you did a, a, a lap of the boundary at Lords to uh, an incredible standing ovation. Uh, what a moment. Well, that was extra extraordinary. I never knew that was going to happen, anything about it. I was going down, down in the lift in the media center with Aggers and Vic Marks to go across and help with the presentation of prizes. And suddenly I found myself being channeled around the boundary. And then I realized that I, when I found myself in front of them, that the Aggers and, and uh, Vic were behind, I realized I'd been set up. But everyone, I mean, all the, pub, the masses of people there, they were absolutely wonderful. And when I did half the ground, got to the pavilion, Matt Fleming, who was the president of MCC, he said, come on, Blas, he said, run half to and I do the other half. <laughs> and, and there was one lovely young lady that even said she wanted to marry me and I said well that struck me as a good idea but I said the laws of bigamy in this country were rather defeated let me let me wind you back to, to, to sort of the beginning of that uh, tremendous journey and um, when you entered into the commentary box it was 
a different era altogether in terms of style and content uh, commentary. And you had the greats when I was a youngster. I mean, these were the voices that I grew up with of, of John Arlott and Brian Johnston um, mm. and, and the like Trevor Bailey. Um, can you give us your sort of earliest recollections of joining that famous team? Yeah, the first time I joined it was 72. I did my first ever broadcast to BBC from Chelmsford in uh, the old wit weekend. I did the Saturday and the Monday. There was no cricket on Sunday in those days. And I had a letter from Robert Hudson, who was head of OB's uh, outside broadcast, um, asking me to join Test Match Special for two of the one-day matches against Australia at uh, Lords and Edgbaston. And so it all happened quite quickly. I was terrified. I mean, can you imagine going into a commentary box with, as you mentioned, Arthur Johnston, Jack Fingleton, Alan McGilbrey, uh, Fred was there, dear Fred. And I, one of them, uh, in one of those two games, the one at Lords, was the only time I broadcast with uh, Norman Yardley and Freddie Brown, who were Trevor and Fred's predecessors. And it was it was a, ve a very exciting journey. I, how I got through it, I have no idea, but obviously I did. You were I mean, I was, I was absolutely scared witless, I can promise you. Yes, I've, I've heard uh, Daniel Norcross has told me a similar story of, of, of being a bag of nerves and uh, panic when he did his, when he joined the team. Um, well, I was you... there, I was there, his first test match, uh, Dan Norcross at Edgbaston in uh, 2016. I was, I was still there. It was the test match, in fact, in which one hectic evening, Shane, War I was in the company of... Uh, Phil Tufnell and Michael Vaughan, and Shane Warne taught me to drink Jägerbox. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a great moment. I, Shane Warne, you see, took 708 test wickets, and he taught me to drink Jägerbombs, and you have to decide which was the most important event. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Shane, we, we're going to miss him very much. Yeah, it's very sad, and also Andrew Simon's going. Um, I know, I know. Yes. Legends passing, but um, but you were when you first started, you were seen as being kind of the more straight, sensible um, foil to Jonas and and, and Arla, and um, it was it was it was Brian Johnson that gave you the the nickname Blowers, I believe. Well, yes, it was. You see, Jonas, was I called him, was at uh, up at Oxford in uh, um, before the war, and everyone was ERS. It was the sort of thing then. And it, and it stuck. You know, I mean, you couldn't, we didn't call Ar Ar John Arlers. We called him Arlo. I don't know quite why. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, there was Wood as Johnny Woodcock who wrote for the Times. I mean, we all, ERS. I mean, you you backers, Peter Baxter, you know, it, it, on it went. And it, and it was all, but the commentary actually, you say, you say it was, it was, it was much more, I think in a way, more lively than it is today in some ways. In that Jonas's sense of humour was irrepressible and, and obvious and quick fire. Arlott was a very funny man too, although he his jokes were a little bit off the back burner. Uh, his voice didn't um, change a great deal, but he was very funny. And he had, of course, this brilliant choice of words that he had at his disposal. And Arlott was a terrific favourite of mine, and he was extremely good to me um, all the way through it. I, worked with him for 10 years. In fact, when I retired, I was the last person to have worked with him. There's no one left now. Oh, and which sure. is sad. It just shows you how the years go by, doesn't it? But I mean, that irrepressible voice. Oh, 
yes, we'll have Freya the Red and Four of the White, which was his sort of, sort of what he said to most wine waiters, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think back in those days, I think everyone um, could do, that was a very good impression, but I think everyone had to, um, could, could reel off a John Arlott style uh, comment. In fact, I think I remember one of my friends um, who, who used to be, uh, particularly late at night in the pub, would turn into John Arlott and, and commentate on anything that was going on in the pub, whether someone was wandering to and fro or playing darts or a game of pool, all of a sudden there would be a John Arlott impersonator in the corner. So it was always very funny. <laughs> oh, lovely. Yeah. Well, of course, he had, he had, well, he was able to do us too. I mean, Donna's coming in the morning, 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 uh, ten men under one umbrella and none of them got wet. Donna's, why didn't any of them get wet? It wasn't raining. <laughs> you know, that, I know. And and you had this every more every day as cricket he'd, he'd come in with with a new one liner, and it was it was it was great fun. I mean it was tremendous fun. And you see, there was CMJ um, who played it back, kept bat and pad together a little bit more. And um, uh, there were it was Don Mosey. I mean there was so it was great fun and it was a very different variety of voices. <laughs> and. Um, we, we were quite, funny enough, in a funny way, we were quite disciplined. And, um, you know, there was a, the Peter Baxter was our producer for what, um, many 37 years, I think he was, it was a very long time. And he really knew, he broadcast himself and he knew what a good commentary should sound like. And I think never got the credit that he deserved for uh, making Test Match Special into the program that it has become. Mm, that's right. And, uh... And all of the features that evolved with it, the cakes and, uh, uh, and 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 some of the some of the some of the the fashion, uh, what became fashion, I suppose, just from from various flamboyant styles. Well, the cakes were all Johnners, you see. He loved cakes and chocolate <laughs> cakes, and then we had that fantastic fruit cake from the Queen. Funnily enough, in the second half of my show, um, which um, I'm I'm doing in Hornchurch, you get I do the second half. I do the, all the good commentary stories. And in, in in which uh, and it, it makes quite a good sequence actually. We have uh, John Ar John Arlott and the first streaker at Lords in 1975. Um, not very shapely, and it's masculine, and it has I think seen the last of its cricket for the day. And it's very good stuff. And then in the first half, I do something which I meant to do, but because of COVID, I'm able to. Because I joined um, the Rail Marigold Hotel team. In, in 2019 in India. And I'm in my the first act, I'm doing entirely uh, the behind the scenes stories from there. And I tell you, there are one or two quite good ones too. <laughs> yeah, I know there's one story about you driving a vintage Rolls Royce from London to Bombay. Yes, that, 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 I did that, that was 1976. And uh, we took us 46 days and nights in, in, a, in a, a 1921 Silver Ghost. And it was absolutely terrific fun. <laughs> and, um, Actually, the cars were easily the least temperamental members of the party, I think, probably. <laughs> and, but we, we got there in one piece, and um, it was the start of Tony Gregg's Tour of India, actually, which oh. we went on to win 3-1. It was, it, was, it was a very, very good few months. And then the, <laughs> the cars were shipped home, and Johnny Woodcock, who he and I really organised it, he was the Times cricket correspondent, who sadly died last year. And um, we, we did have the most tremendous fun. And it, it was a real adventure. No one shot at us, so nothing beastly happened. 
but um, we had a few punctures, but otherwise the cars went splendidly and we met some wonderful people. And as okay. I say, then won, won the tour of India, which you don't do very often. You don't win series, test series in India that frequently. No, no, no. You've, you very nearly played um, for England, didn't you, against India? Yes, I did. That was my first ever tour in 1963 four. And um, yeah, we got to Bombay for the second test match. Having been in Hyderabad for a, a, a one day, a, a, a ordinary first class match, that's right. And uh, well, the conditions weren't too good for living and eating. And when we got to Bombay, they all the players rushed out and, and gobbled up prawns. Well, prawns, even now in some places in India, you have to watch. watch. But in that, in 1964, you had to watch very carefully indeed. <laughs> and the next day, they were all, all, all completely deli belly. And it looked as though there were only going to be 10 fit men. And I was asked to make myself ready by the manager. And, but Mickey Stewart, who was vice captain, heard the news, got out of bed in hospital, came and played and was back in bed within two hours. So, but my patriotism didn't extend to being glove man and bread. <laughs> <laughs> the best comeback since Lazarus. <laughs> well, there we are, there we are. <laughs> Now you just mentioned there in passing um, Her Majesty the Queen. It's her platinum jubilee year. Um, I'm assuming that uh, you've uh, you've had encounters with Her Majesty um, over these years. Well, I have. I mean, she very very kindly well presented me with an OBE once, and I went and had lunch with her and Prince Philip and about six others on another absolutely marvelous occasion, and which was terrific fun. I was very lucky and sat next to Prince Philip, who was who, and we talked. He was absolutely, he was, he was marvellously forthright. He was very funny. And it, it was, but the Queen, you know, the Queen spent much of the time laughing. She was so sweet and it was tremendous. And goodness me, you, I've got a wonderful sort of, um, uh, the, 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 the menu still sort of, they're framed with all the names on. And it's my great fun. Fantastic. Yes, Prince Philip, um, the Lord's Tavern's 12th man, of course, um, was, was, was very keen on cricket. He knew his stuff, didn't he? Oh yes, he played a bit. He once um, he once bowled Tom Gravenick and never let Tom 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 forget it. When Tom was president of MCC, every they uh, Prince Philip enjoyed coming to Lords just so he could rub Tom's nose in it. I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, younger viewers, I don't, I, don't, I don't want to rob you of all of your stories. I want people to come to the Queen's Theatre at Hornchurch on the twentieth of June to get the full Monty. But um, younger viewers that may not may look at the name and go, hang on, Blofeld, um, is he a Bond villain? But there is there is a connection, isn't there? Yeah, there is. I mean, I'm a frightful villain, I can tell you that. Actually, <laughs> the biggest villain of all was my father, who was a friend of Ian Fleming's. And when he wanted an evil name, he looked no further. And he would go to the movies. He's the one you see with a white pussycat on his knee. And... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think any of the Blofelds have ever owned a white pussy cat, but there we are. And um, it, it, it's always, I knew Ian a bit. I remember going and um, dining or no, lunching at his house in Jamaica at Goldeneye, where I met Noel Coward, who was also there. And um, no, I mean, Ian was, Ian was a, a yes, he, he was a, a slightly difficult man i think he could be absolutely charming he could be he could be incredibly remote and you know and but i think that was his character and of course he had his, his brother peter too who married celia johnson the actress he was also a wonderful writer and they were amazingly talented 
But um, yeah, Bond is, um, <laughs> Blofeld and Bond is, is, is great. I remember once meeting Miss Moneypenny, Lois Maxwell, in a, in, a, in, a in a taxi queue in a wet day at Waterloo Station. And we shared a taxi back to Chelsea. We lived very adjacent to each other. And I remember when we were talking, I remember saying to her, yes, you might almost say, Lois, you and I have a common bond. It's the only good fun I've ever made. <laughs> I'll tell you what I was, uh, what I wanted to ask you about as well was uh, something I stumbled upon. I've been doing a bit of research. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was so thrilled when I found that we were going to do this. Um, but one of the most hilarious ones I came across, I'm not sure if it's in your show or not, but um, a story about um, being caught short in the Albany Hotel uh, once upon oh, a time. In Nottingham, yeah. When I, when I was in, yeah, I was locked out of my hotel bedroom, stark naked at about, about one o'clock in the morning. Um, when I mistook the bar from the front door for the bathroom door and yes and I eventually got into the lift after you know with a, with a sort of tea towel a little paper nap doily and holding it there and which I'd found under in a tray in the passage and it stopped at the wrong floor and it, it, at the dining room floor and a big big party had just broken up and there were six ladies and six men surging towards me in dinner jackets and um, then they, they had a supply of bread, crusty bread rolls, which they threw at me. And uh, a little paper doily may look very picturesque, but it's not a good first line or second line of defense against flying crusty bread rolls. It was all quite funny. And um, the next morning, which was, I tell you, I went and saw the manager of the hotel when I eventually got back the next morning. And I, I, he said, the only thing that rather surprised me, he said, was um, that I always think that most people are recognized by their faces and you held the doily down there. <laughs> so there we are. It, it was, it was a, one of those ghastly moments. I hate, you know, can you imagine how awful it was at the time? But I tell you what, it's hysterical afterwards. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, for more of these stories, now you're on this, uh, this tour, um, which is quite a lengthy tour. So congratulations for for um, having the, the energy and the, the ability to do this. So uh, the, the dates run for quite a long time through the rest of the year. But anyway, um, my dear things, uh, an evening with- My dear old things. Oh, my dear old things, sorry, yep. Yeah. My dear old things. <laughs> I'll edit that out. <laughs> yeah. It's got nothing to do with age, that. It's not nothing to do with age, it's only familiarity. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, and, and in the company of Simon Fielder, so very aptly named. Well, Simon Fielder, yeah, well, yes, I don't get, I, I, I'm glad he's not called Simon Catcher, because he, <laughs> he <laughs> but anyway, yes, he, Simon is, is producing it, certainly, although he, he's not on stage with me, you know, I mean, he, he's just um, sort of organised it all and done it superbly well, too. Excellent. So you are swinging past um, Essex on the 20th of June uh, at the Queen's Theatre in Hornchurch, which I know very well. I've been to many a pantomime there. Uh, it's um, Tickets are available at simonfielder.com. Uh, and I would urge anyone that's listening to this to just drop what you're doing, whip out your laptop or your phone or whatever else, and head to simonfielder.com uh, and get You could tickets. also head, I dare say, to haunt the, um, the theatre, couldn't you? Yep, that's right. The Queen's Theatre. You get, you get, get tickets there. I've got quite an Essex two days because two days before I'm doing a um, commentating. Or is it the day before? I think at uh, Chelmsford when lashings are playing against at the school in Chelmsford. So um, that that's a big charity occasion too. 
yeah, and lots of uh, lots of uh, well-known faces um, will will be there as well. I'd imagine Lashing's always. I, I think so. Yes, there will. Oh, yes, there will be. Absolutely. It'll be they're, they're, Lashing's occasion is always really good. I think really good fun. Chelmsford and then Hornchurch, a great double. It'll be, it's a really fun. And I've got I've got quite a busy few days because I then do go Hornchurch, Norwich, and then up to uh, Milton Keynes for uh, well, it's it's. Um, just outside Milton Keynes, and the uh, theatre that Johnny Dankworth and Cleo Lane uh, oh, uh, yeah. have produced, and the stables, that's right. And then I've got Banbury and Nottingham the two days after that, so it's quite quite a busy week for me. Banbury's famous for a lot of things, isn't it? And watch out for white lady, ladies on a white horse, isn't it? Well, yes. They, so, yeah. <laughs> 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 well, I know, I know. Uh, anyway, I, was, I think it's been a joy talking to you. It really has. <laughs> no, it's an absolute... The, the pleasure is all mine, honestly, Henry. It's a, a pleasure to, to, to speak to someone like yourself and uh, very much enjoyed it. Uh, and we Good. urge everyone to go and take part in the tour wherever you are. I'm sure there's a, uh, a venue near you where you can go and enjoy Henry's company and, uh, and his uh, wonderful tales. Lovely to talk to you, my dear old thing. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Thanks for listening to 98 Not Out, the cricket podcast. Please subscribe to the show in your podcast app to make sure you see the new episode each week as it appears in your feed. And if you enjoy the show, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts to help us introduce the show to even more people. Thank you so much, and we'll catch you on the next episode.